0: From WUSC-FM and HG1 Columbia, I'm Flint Snyder. And I'm Trey
1: Martin. This is Hot Topics from WUSC News. Coming up, Joe Biden has been sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. We'll recap an inauguration unlike any other impacted by unprecedented security measures and the COVID-19 pandemic. Plus, the much-talked-about connection South Carolina had to the day's ceremony ahead.
0: Plus, a new statue has been dedicated outside Colonial Life Arena to Asia Wilson, one of the most successful athletes in USC history. We'll tell you why the new statue was put up and recap this past weekend's dedication ceremony filled with Gamecock legends.
1: And we're chatting with Professor Valinda Littlefield about her new book, 101 Women Who Shaped South Carolina. What research went into writing it and how the perspective of this book makes it different from others.
0: That's all coming up this week on Hot Topics. And welcome to the first episode of the spring semester of Hot Topics here from WUSC News. As always, I'm Flint Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. Trey, it is great to be back in studio with you. How's it going?
1: It's going great. Uh, this is I'm not on campus as much this semester as I was last semester, so um, it, it's good to be back on campus and kind of see everything again, because uh, I haven't been as involved in that recently.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um, Well, you may not be on campus a lot. I think a lot more people are actually getting the opportunity of being on campus this semester, a little bit
1: more than last semester.
0: So that's been kind of nice, myself included in that. So just walking around campus, seeing everybody again, it's been really, really nice.
1: And Flynn, you're now like, you're not only my co-host, but you're now like my boss, too. Oh, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them about your new title. Yes,
0: yes, I'm excited to be taking over as news director this semester here at WSC News. Um, And nothing's really going to change. We're going to keep having some really great informative content thrice weekly, hopefully more than that as we get a little bit more into the semester. But uh, I'm really excited. And and what a first day. You know, we have such a big news day today.
1: Yes, it is uh, obviously Inauguration Day in the United States of America. Joe Biden sworn in at around uh, noon today, uh, becoming the 46th president of the United States. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it was an inauguration day really just to cap off a time like any other, you, you throw in a presidential inauguration in the middle of that. And it's like, it's so weird. It it was so weird looking out and like not seeing as many people, um, not seeing the crowds. Right. See, and, and like behind him, how they had the senators and. Uh, the guests all socially distanced and mm-hmm. like two by two chairs. It was, uh, I, I guess I'm kind of used to it now because I've been watching sports, but it's still like you're used to it, but like I'm never going to be used to right.
0: it, right? Yeah, and like looking back, you know, 40, 50 years from now, looking at the pictures from today, it's going to be definitely a, a bookmark and uh, in or a timestamp, I guess you could say, in inauguration history and in history. Of any way, for that matter, because, like you said, it was socially distant. I think about a thousand tickets were given out to the general public. Um, But I still think that senators, obviously, some former past presidents and uh, um, distinguished guests were able to still come, like you said, on the uh, steps of the Capitol there. And on top of coronavirus, you actually had unprecedented security measures in the wake of the insurrection at the Capitol just two weeks prior to Inauguration Day. I think they said something about 25,000 National Guard troops were in D.C. um, in the week leading up, uh, or in the time between when the Capitol was invaded and when the inauguration took place. Um, and essentially, you know, if, if you thought DC wasn't shut down already for COVID, it was really shut down from the National Guard, just really tight security, really tight perimeter, not only around the Capitol, um, but also the White House, all of our national monuments as well, the Washington Monument, Lincoln, Jefferson, all of those under tight scrutiny. And it wasn't even just the national monuments too. state houses across the country today were on high alert, um, making sure that, you know, they were, Ready for any potential threat so far, so good. I think we are on the day for uh, a lack of violence, which is a good thing, as always, uh, which allowed us to focus on the on the pomp of today, which is, of course, a swearing-in of our 46th president, uh, Joe Biden, and the first woman of color to be vice president, Kamala Harris. Quite a historic day.
1: Yes, there were so many, uh, so many uh, amazing things going on. And I, I think a question that I was kind of considering is, At the next presidential inauguration, are we still going to have like social distancing to deal with? Yeah. Like, is there going to be another crowd there? Um, So, I I guess, you know, you always have to kind of ask, like, are things going to be better four years from now? Or are things better uh, than they were four years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, And we are at a very crucial point historically. Um, so I, I I think you really can't undermine the importance of a day like today because I mean there's stresses that have never been put before right. on this country um, so anytime that you kind of usher in a new um, a, a new e- evolution of government mm-hmm. you know it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be important absolutely um, so, so you got you got to pay attention
0: and and you know cur- um Democrat, Republican, whatever side of the political spectrum you are on, coronavirus impacts everybody, whether they want to believe it or not. It does. And so everyone will be looking to Joe Biden, Democrat and Republican, to fix this, essentially, and get their lives back to normal, like you were saying, hopefully sooner than four years. Absolutely. Um, but you talk about the crowds and, and I want to touch on some of the lighter points from today, because there were a lot of poignant, really distinguishable moments from today's ceremonies, one of which being, and I don't know if you saw this the other day, the field of flags. Did you see that illuminated on the National Mall there? Yes,
1: Wire? that was um, quite, a, quite a view, mm-hmm. and, and the cameras on every station were, you know, rightfully so, always panning through those, and I, I, I think it just kind of... That that's one of those you know moments that you're just gonna kind of remember. You're always gonna remember. You know this was the year that they had the flags right. on the on the mall instead right. of people.
0: Yeah, I think it was two hundred thousand flags up there representing the two hundred thousand people that are usually out on the national mall for inauguration day. Flags from each state included in that uh, grouping of flags there, and also fifty six pillars to represent the fifty states, um, and uh, territory or fifty six states and territories. Um, that is the United States. So that was also really uh, impactful moment, I felt. A lot of people love that picture, especially lit up at night. Another really cool piece of just tidbit of information from today was uh... everyone of course was looking out for what former first lady michelle obama was wearing today and of course she always pulls out all the stops she says that you know as her time as first lady she really her outfits and what she wore was intentional a lot of the times because that seemed to be what people always talked about and today what she was wearing was extra special uh... because the designer uh... sergio hudson actually um, who designed not only uh... mrs obama's uh, outfit today but also First uh, lady, our uh, first, uh, excuse me, Vice President um, Kamala Harris's um, outfit as well. He is from South Carolina. He's a South Carolina native. And so uh, the, their outfits, both, are getting a lot of attention today. And I think that's really cool that South Carolina has had uh, a piece of a, a part of the puzzle today uh, in terms of the ceremonies going on.
1: We keep uh, getting shown uh, the amount of impact people from the state of South Carolina mm-hmm. or from the University of South Carolina can have. Um, I'm not sure if Sergio Hudson was a student here, but mm-hmm. he, he was from Columbia. Um, and, and so uh, this also just kind of alludes to our discussion that we're going to have later on tonight um, uh, with our guest, but uh, the state is just... Continuously underrated, I feel like, in terms of like what it can produce. Yeah. Because you look at sports, you look at music, fashion, you look at all these aspects of culture, um, including politics. I mean, we we'll talk about like some an important politician, uh, Jim Clyburn, mm-hmm. is being you know regarded as a hero today right. by all these people, yeah. saying like if you hadn't pulled out all the stops in South Carolina, we still would have had four more years of Donald Trump. Right. So, you know, it, it's crazy that the people from the little old state of South Carolina who, you know, might might get knocked for its education ranking mm-hmm. or, or other things um, can can still produce very influential people. Right. And uh, yeah,
0: you know, and to tie it back into there, I, I was watching an analysis earlier today of the inauguration and apparently former President Bush, who is in attendance today, you know, reached out to Cliver and had a conversation with him. It was like, you know, exactly like you said, like without him kind of being that rally or for Biden in South Carolina, that turning point most likely wouldn't have happened. Because if you remember correctly, this time last year, the Democratic Party was so fractured in where it was in the primaries, you know, ideologically that...
1: And Biden did really bad in the first two. Right. Yes. Yes.
0: And so Biden, South Carolina was that turning point for Biden. And he came, you know, in one Super Tuesday after that in a lot of states. So, yeah, Clyburn really being regarded as somebody who was very influential in helping Biden in his path to the White House. Really quick before we wrap up this segment, I do want to mention the poet from today, Amanda Gorman. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about her. Go ahead. It's all you.
1: Oh, I was just (laughs) going to say, like, dang, she's 22 years old. That was crazy. I'm 21 years old, and just, I mean, talk about capturing the moment just perfectly. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, poetry is such an impressive art because you've got to say a lot in a little bit of words. And there's a lot to say and I I think that she did it and the fact that she's so young. Um, just, you know, a a very a very hopeful day. Yeah. I I think there was a lot of things that, you know, you you can look at and you can take some good things from. Um so so I hope that uh, I hope that bodes well for the the rest of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, one of and I'll just
0: wrap it up with this one of my favorite things that she said and this isn't verbatim but this is just basically what she said she says we're not striving for a country that is perfect we're striving for a country that has purpose and i really really love that something that's resonated with me a lot today obviously what comes next um confirmation hearings for biden's cabinet are going to begin they have already are underway um and i believe biden just within the last hour released a slew of executive orders on everything from coronavirus to the economy um To raise everything, it's kind of launching his agenda in a in a way. Do
1: you think he's asked about aliens yet? Has he asked if Joe
0: Biden's been known about aliens? Uh, You know, he he probably. He's got like what forty years in government. (laughs) He he has to know something, you know. Probably. Yeah, that's that's the big question for today, though. (laughs) But we have uh, so much more coming up on the show, Trey. Why don't you tell everybody what we have? Well, up
1: next, we're going to talk about a notable South Carolinian who got a statue erected of her outside of Colonial Life Arena. And that will lead us right into our discussion with Professor Valinda Littlefield about her book, 101 Women Who Shape South Carolina, that's coming up next on Hot Topics. Back here on Hot Topics on WUSCFM. And we are going to now discuss um, a statue that was recently erected outside of Colonial Life Arena of Asia Wilson, one of the uh, best, I'd say probably the best basketball player to come out of the University of South Carolina.
0: Not just basketball, but she is also the most decorated student athlete of any sport at SC ever. Yes, a
1: national champion, three-time SEC player of the year. I believe she won the SEC tournament four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she is um, as much of a reason as, as anything as to why South Carolina is one of the premier uh, women's basketball um,
0: programs. Programs, yeah. yes, that was the word, <laughs>
1: um, in, in the United States. Um, and her, her speech was so powerful, Yeah. too. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to any of it?
0: I did, yeah. She um, obviously, or not obviously, but if you didn't know, the— um, Uh, dedication ceremony, it was on MLK Day on Monday. Um, And so Wilson said something to the effect that she has a statue dedicated to her on a campus where her grandmother was not able to walk on the campus. She had to walk around it. And so she said that if her grandma was here today, that to see her whole granddaughter as a statue where she once could not walk, I felt like that was pretty powerful in a very full circle moment not only Asia Wilson, but her whole family, you know.
1: Yes, it can't get any more full circle and more, you know, realistic than that. Absolutely, I feel like, um, and, and Asia Wilson, born and raised here in Columbia, Hopkins, South Carolina. Um, you yeah. know, went went to Heathwood, a uh, Heathwood Academy, uh, which is just down the road from where I live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, w- once again, I, I guess that's a theme from today's show: is there are so many South Carolinians who uh, can make a difference not only here in the state and in the community, but on a, on a national and an international level.
0: Absolutely. And um, after her college career ended, she was drafted first overall to the Las Vegas Aces in the 2018 WNBA draft, um, winning Rookie of the Year that same year and MVP this past season in 2020. So making marks here as a Gamecocks and uh, outside of school as well. But we are going to uh, go from talking about one influential a woman from South Carolina to 101 influential women. And uh, we're going to bring on uh, Professor Valinda Littlefield, professor of history here at the University of South Carolina. Uh, she is the author of the recent book, uh, 101 Women Who Shaped South Carolina. Uh, Dr. Littlefield, are you there? Can you hear me?
2: I can hear you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. So, so first off, just tell people what the book is about.
2: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. So how the book came about is, it is a it is a byproduct of, of Walter Edgar's uh, South Carolina Encyclopedia, which was published in 2006. And Aaron Foley, who is the acquisition editor, uh, and Richard Brown, who is the director of the University of South Carolina Press, thought about how did you continue the relevancy of something like the South Carolina Encyclopedia, and it definitely is relevant. And so they broke it up into several books, and one is 101 uh, South Carolina Women. There's also one on 101 African Americans, Mm -hmm. African Americans. And so that is part of of the press's uh, move to publish books that deal with people we don't often talk about.
0: Yeah. And expand on that a little bit, because the book is definitely different in the aspect of the viewpoint or the, the, the people that are discussed in the book. Talk about how this book differs from other similar collections.
2: Yes. This one is uh, divided, you know, where normally you just see, you know, an encyclopedia will just have the name of the person and may be listed alphabetically. Uh, It may be listed chronologically, but the bottom line is you just get a list of names and they talk about different people. This particular book is divided into six thematic sections, and there's an intro for each section. There is also, and then the entries are uh, arranged chronologically, and they're by the birth dates of the subjects. Uh, So I'll I'll just give you briefly the title of the six sections, Reformers, organizers and leaders, writers, novelists, playwrights and poets, artists, athletes and entertainers, educators and activists, medical professionals, legislators, jurists and political activists. And so under all of those sections are, you know, 15 to 20 women who impacted South Carolina in one way or another.
1: So um, I recently had a discussion in class uh, with somebody who um, was was kind of researching, um, I believe it was the Briggs v. Elliott case um, that kind of led to Brown v. Board of Education. Um, and their yeah. kind of whole theme about the um, the discussion was that there's so much history that takes place in South Carolina that kind of is a, a precursor to some of these um, national movements that might get talked about more historically. Um, that that doesn't really get talked about. So. Why do you, and I know that was something that you mentioned, that there are all of these notable women who, you know, kind of get buried historically. Why do you think that is in the state of South Carolina?
2: Well, you know, part of it is when when you're thinking of historians and you're thinking of the history of the U.S. or the history of a state, you have to think about people deciding on who they want to write about. And there is this pecking order when you think of historical documents or historical resources that that we have and so we tend to start out writing about white males and not just any white males they have to be elite white males so you even have that pecking order as far as based on class uh, and then you go to, okay, what's the next group? What's the next group? And so when you think about women or when you think about Briggs versus Elliott, uh, the case, that is the first case that is argued uh, that becomes part of the, uh, Br- becomes part of Br- Brown versus Board of Education. But when you say Brown versus Board of Education, most people think of Topeka, Kansas. They don't think of Briggs versus Elliott. And that's because we haven't done a very good job of telling our history. And so part of it is just the just how history has been written. And now we're getting a we're being a lot more inclusive. I would argue there's room for a lot more uh, inclusivity, but we are being a lot more inclusive. And so you do get to learn about people that we haven't learned about before. And we therefore get a much better understanding of history.
0: And and was that a a driving factor behind your motivation of putting together the collection? Because, you know, it's interesting, the book's kind of synopsis basically states that, you know, usually collections like this are, featuring white elite women. But, you know, it's a, the book also points out that it's important to note that women from many cultural different different cultural backgrounds had an impact in the state's history and the, the shaping of South Carolina. So it, was that an impact or a motivator for your reasoning of putting together the collection is trying to highlight these stories that have not been given the light of day as much.
2: Yes, uh, that is part of my. That has been part of my research agenda since I became uh, interested in in getting a PhD. Shall I say, I have always felt that uh, I grew up in rural North Carolina, grew up around a lot of women. Um, you know, and part of it is ordinary women, ordinary people. Period. They too have a history, and I think until we hear the stories of ordinary. We really don't have the full history. And part of that goes back to, you know, the, the part about, you know, until the lion tells his story, we really don't have the full story of the hunt. Mm. Uh, and, and so it's extremely important that we include as many people as we possibly can. And I am, my research has focused on those ordinary people uh, who, who have, whose stories have not been told.
0: Yeah, well, Dr. Littlefield, it has been a pleasure having you on with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Really quick to wrap things up, where can people get the book?
2: Uh, They can order the book from the university. If they go online, they can order it from the University of South Carolina Press. It's also Amazon. Uh, You know, you can get it almost anywhere, believe it or not. But the first place I would start is the uh, University of South Carolina Press and our bookstore on campus.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Dr. Valinda Littlefield, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yes, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Hot Topics. Join us every Wednesday for the latest news
1: in entertainment, culture,
0: food, and everything in
1: between. Hot Topics is a production by WUSC News and Garnet Media Group and is produced by Troy Dassing. You can catch other WUSC News shows on Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. and on garnetmediagroup.org.
0: Plus, did you miss an episode of your favorite WUSC News show? Check out our WUSC News podcast for all the highlights. Stream them on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Plus, for round-the-clock updates about future shows, follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at WUSC News. I'm Trey Martin. And I'm Flint Snyder. Thanks for joining us. And remember to keep it hot.